This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. And this is Megan McCulloch, Research Analyst at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're here with Dan French, CEO of Consider Solutions, to talk about finance data management. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So at APQC, we recently surveyed over 300 finance professionals to learn about the focus areas, initiatives, and challenges they expect for this year. We found that data management was one of the top priorities for 2022. So we wanted to get Dan back on the podcast because we know that this is a topic he's passionate about. So let's get into it, Dan. We hear the term data management thrown around a lot to talk about a lot of different things. So we wanted to have you walk us through some key terms. And let's start with da data management itself. What exactly is data management? You know, that's a really good question. And at first, you just want to immediately respond and, and, and give a definition. But I think it's important to stop and say, you know, these phrases, these terms we see and we use every day, they actually mean different things to different people. So whatever it means to me and whatever it means to you and whatever it means if you Google it, it still means different things to different people. And I would hazard a guess that a large percentage of people in business, when they hear the term data management, they assume that's something that IT deal with. It's a technical issue about databases and the data in databases. But in reality, data management from a business perspective is understanding the information that drives a business, the information that drives a business, that is the result of business activities and that drives the processes. And, and by the way, data and processes are absolutely intertwined. So you cannot really talk about data without process because it means nothing without a process. So data management, to answer the question, in my, you know, as you dig into it, in my thinking is, it's about understanding data. It's about the semantics of data. Like, what does it really mean? So, for example, you know, silly little things like a payment. Data about a payment from your company sounds obvious, right? But is it a payment to a supplier? Is it a payment which is a refund to a customer? Is it a payment to an employee? Is it an expense claim? Is it a pay? You know, there's 101 things that a payment could be. So. We're very, you know, we're very happy to say, oh, yes, we know what a payment is, but actually the devil's in the detail. So it's about the semantics, it's about the relationships between data, it's about the life cycle of data, what happens to a payment from its conception through to its no longer being of any interest. It's the impact of that data. And, you know, it's ultimately the why of business. Why does this data exist? Why are we interested in this data? So data management, in my mind, is about all of those things, but also managing the creation and governance of data and it's exploiting the data so it's as multifaceted you mentioned data exploitation so what's the difference between data exploitation and data analytics so i think data analytics is a form of data exploitation so if you accept that data you know data about our customers for example is a core part of our marketing processes, our order to cash processes, our customer cash processes, all of that is exploitation of data. The fact we have the data means we can process it, we can use it both in, as, as individuals and in systems. And part of that exploitation is understanding the performance of processes, 
the issues, the challenges that happen in the process, what works well, what doesn't work well. And a lot of that is around data analytics. So data analytics, to my mind, is, is part of data exploitation. It's a significant part of it, but it's not the only part of it. All right, one more term for you, Dan. Um, data literacy, we, you know, this is something we all want everyone to have. We especially want our executives to have it, but what does it actually mean? So I think, you know, again, this is a, a term which I think might also be, um, it, it might be challenging because we use this term. So to me, data literacy is about understanding the business. So when someone says we've got 500,000 suppliers, that's a business question, but it actually is a data literacy, literacy question because when you say you've got 500,000 suppliers, does that mean we've got orders out and receiving stuff from 500,000 suppliers right now? Or does it mean in the past 10 years we've transacted with 500,000 suppliers? Or does it mean there's 500,000 suppliers that possibly provide the goods and services we might want? You know, so, it, so data literacy isn't just about understanding data as a structure, it's understanding data mm. as a concept, as a what it means to support our business. And I think that fundamentally, when people look at job descriptions and talk about data literacy, what they should be looking for is people who understand how businesses work and how the, the mm. key assets of the business interact. Now, that makes sense. A, a quick, quick follow up for you on that, because um, this is such an in-demand skill set. And it sounds like people, you know, uh, may not quite understand exactly what it entails. So in terms of acquiring data literacy skills, what would you see as the best way to do that? So I think there's two dimensions. I think one dimension is if you don't understand the business, you can't understand the data. Now, that's kind of a slightly contentious statement because there are data specialists who would say, no, I understand data because I understand how it relates. Well, you know, you can understand how it technically relates um, in a database, but how, how your suppliers relate to your business partners, for example, can a supplier be a customer? Is an interesting thing right that's a business question that you no data person can tell you that that's a business question in your business can a supplier actually be a customer is it possible is it desirable and does it actually happen are three interesting questions right so so data literacy is about understanding the business the dynamics of the business the dynamics of critical things that happen and the critical the critical objects when you talk about data you're always talking about the things that, that are important to the business you're talking about information about things that are important to the business. So, um, so the idea about suppliers and customers and materials and products and orders, all that stuff, good example. But the other part of data literacy is about understanding where does that data live? <laughs> so we have this data in our company and some of the data is external to our company. So, you know, if we deal with supplier X, where is the information about supplier X captured in all our processes in our company? which is a business question. And the second question is, where is it captured physically, technologically in our company? And that might mean lots of different systems and lots of different databases, but they may not relate necessarily directly to the processes, which so you've got to have a lot of people kind of getting their eyes on this. And then the third question is, there might be question, in, there might be information about supplier X, which is available external to a company on public sources or paid for sources like Dun & Bradstreet or whatever. So data literacy, again, 
is a lovely term which we can use very easily is much more nuanced than people give it credit for. Absolutely. So Dan, can you tell us what bad data management looks like versus good data management? There's a, there's a few characteristics that I think are important about making it good. And maybe it's pejorative to talk about bad and good. Maybe we talk about, you know, what can make it better from where it is today? What, what can make it better? There's an element about data understanding in the business. So, and I talked earlier about processes and data being intertwined. If you subscribe to this idea of processes, you have to, you know, end-to-end -end processes, you've got to subscribe to the idea of the data that drives them. They are, data is basically the cog, the cogs that drives the machine, right? And the machine is useless. If the data's wrong, it's just, you know, it's pointless. And when I talk about data, I specifically mean master data. So the, the kind of the key assets of the business, and I talked about customers, suppliers, materials, people, the, the key things that are much more stable over time than the transactional um, information. Because if you get your, if your governance over data, over customer data, if that's good, then I can guarantee you that your process for sales and marketing and the order to cash process will be a lot more efficient than somebody who doesn't have a handle on the customer data. So that idea of the, the things that drive the processes. So to me, master data is the data that drives the process. So customer, you know, product, uh, supplier, uh, material, you know, the, the people, you know, the kind of key stuff I think is very, very essential. Oh, absolutely. And, and we see so many organizations now that have really gotten themselves into a data management mess. And of course, you know, folks want to move to end to end processes. That sounds like a good idea, but then the, the data management side of it gets in a way and folks give up. So can you give us some calls to action why improving data management is really worth doing? I mean, just touching on that point you made, I mean, one of the things that can get better as well is there are a lot of organizations have a data management function or even a data function, which is very much looking at data in isolation. And it's looking at where is, you know, for a particular type of data, where do we store it? And we have a catalog of all the data and a, a dictionary, all, which is all kind of helpful but it's not really solving a problem. To me, the, the call to action for data is if you want your business to be efficient and effective and drive the value to its potential, there's a few things you've got to get right. And there's not many of them, actually. I mean, obviously, the strategy of the company has got to be right. You've got to be doing the right things. But fundamentally, you've got to have the right talent, the right people with, and skills driving the right processes using the right information. I mean, that's really, really simple. I mean, it's simple and obviously in principle and difficult in practice. And the right information is all about data. So if you, if anybody needs kind of a little bit of a nudge about, we need to put some thought into data is you will never be effective or efficient without solving that problem. And it's not a technical problem fundamentally, it's a business problem. So Dan, where do you draw the line between technology and people when it comes to improving data management? So what do people need to do and where can we use tech to make things easier? So I think there's a big tendency right now to assume that tech can solve the data problems and it can't. It's, as I say, it's a business problem. It's an understanding problem. It is a 
is a design thinking problem. You know, how do we want our businesses to operate? I mean, tech can help, but you know, again, like a lot of things, we've got to make sure we understand the basics before we start trying to amplify the improvement on that with technology. Because if we got it wrong, all we're doing is amplifying inefficiency. We're not doing anything better. So it's a waste of money, a waste of time, and you get a lot of frustration in the organization. So I would say that, you know, that those issues about understanding semantics, you know, making sure we understand the life cycle, the relationships, the impact of data. If you get that kind of broadly understood, then yes, we can use technology to make sure we've got single instances of data. So it makes life a lot easier when you have single instances of uh, systems and databases that have lots of replicated data, which means slightly different things. But the, the reality of life is that's always going to happen. And ironically, with the advances in technology, the new, the new architectures of ERP and the hub and spoke architecture of, of applications means there is more duplication of data now mm. and in the future than there was 10 years ago. Now, that might sound counterintuitive, but there's reasons for it. But you've just got to get your head around it and be aware of it. So, you know, technology's got a part to play. We've got to understand, you know, the kind of the governance. Where is the data of record? Where is the information of record for our company? What is, you know, where is the customer information most trusted? And do you have a single place for that or not? And you would, you, and that's a decision. That's not a technology issue, but you can use technologies to help it. Part of both in data management and data exploitation, you have this idea that, you know, if you've got good ways of analyzing the data in the context of processes, you can work out where your problems are today, which is important because everyone's got problems today. And you can also work out how you ought to operate tomorrow. So that's a, another benefit of technology, which wouldn't really be possible to do manually. But I do think the power of technology is somewhat overstated. And I hear a lot of people say, but you know, of course, what about artificial intelligence? Won't that solve all these data problems? And uh, you know, without getting into the details of it, you know, the reality is, that the definition of badness, there's lots of definitions of badness. I mean, one of them, you know, the one about you keep doing the same thing, expect different results. That's one definition of badness. Another definition of madness is expecting AI to solve a problem you don't understand. <laughs> Absolutely. So last question for you, Dan, do you think integrating new skill sets can help finance teams improve data management? So for example, we see a lot of finance teams bringing on data scientists now. Can these people help us clean up our data messes? You know, should that be part of their responsibility? Yeah, so this is a really interesting question. So I think the skill sets, if, I mean, if you look at the current status, there's a lot of focus now on data specific uh, talent coming at the company, whether it's data scientists or data management people or whatever. But largely, these are technical with a small t people. These are people who are who have a technical skill or a techno-functional skill. Um, and, you know, if you're a data scientist, basically you're a statistician, you've got a mathematical background, which is good and it's helpful for understanding large bodies of data. But understanding large bodies of data isn't the same or isn't the complete problem of managing data in a business. You actually need to understand the semantics of it. So, so I think a lot of organizations are slightly confusing the, all the issues of data, let's solve that with data science. Sadly, that isn't, isn't true. That's just a, a, you know, that's a slightly misleading. I mean, data scientists are very useful people to have, 
when it comes to trying to understand what the data means for your organization. But it does, it doesn't help you if your data management, as in the understanding of semantics, what it's all about, what it means, what is relationship, if that isn't well understood in your business, no data scientist is going to be able to help you. So it's kind of, that's a lagging problem. I think you need to solve the leading problem first. And, and I'll give you a great example. I was talking to a, a customer yesterday about it. And this is exactly about why data is a business problem, not a technical problem. They're talking to me about their um, source to pay process, you know, getting all the supplies they get from uh, uh, their vendors to support their product creation and their, their business in general. And they were had invested lots of money in some technology uh, to, to automatically send purchase orders out to uh, suppliers and all the rest of it. And, and they looked at the, the data and they realized that, you know, they checked the data and from a classic data management, data quality point of view, the data looked pretty good because all their supplier data, hundreds of thousands of suppliers had all the stuff and they all had, all the suppliers had an email address. Well, it turned out when they looked into it, half, of, well, maybe not half, 30% of the email addresses were internal email addresses of people in their own company. So when they thought they were sending out purchase orders to the suppliers, they were sending out to their colleagues in another office <laughs> and, and they couldn't work out why the process wasn't working. And that's a classic example. No, you know, it's it's difficult to work out. I mean, you can work out technically whether the email address is of a right domain for the supplier. But my point is that there's a much more fundamental issue about the behavior that ends up in people saying, I think I'll put my email address in here. And people go, yeah, but how's that going to help the process? It doesn't help the process at all. It slows it down. So to me, that's a little example of you know, the, the essence of the problem, it's about a broader understanding about what data means, how it affects the outcomes and our performance as a business. And then in terms of skill sets, that's a key skill set we want is people understanding and asking why. Why does the business work this way? How does that information flow through? What's most important? And then the, the more, you know, the skills, the technical skills to understand how to structure it in in um, in kind of physical data structures in the cloud or wherever, the ability to be able to work out how to to mine that and process it. You know, if if you have to do it, if you have to do it yourself, so you can't get a third party to do it for you as a kind of standard service, then yeah, you're going to need all those data scientists. But it's a it's a far right hand problem, and our issues at the moment are on the left hand side of the process. No, absolutely, and there's a lot of you know hard truths, I think, that we've encountered across this podcast. But I think the bright spot of it is you don't actually need to go hire a bunch of sexy data scientists and you don't need to buy a bunch of cool new stuff to tackle this problem. It's hard work, but you don't have to spend a lot of money necessarily to do it. Would you say that's true? That's absolutely true. And the interesting thing about it is it gets to the root of a real, you know, inherent truth in business today is there is a little bit of a bias that we all have in that kind of, and every leader has in that, you know, we're in a sophisticated society, we've got lots of technology, you know, technology can solve any problem, right? So can't we just throw some silver bullets at this stuff and get it sorted out? But the reality is, you, you look at the best businesses in the world, you look at really, you know, you look at some very kind of sophisticated and, and very topical businesses today like Tesla, you know, it isn't all about technology. Somebody's thought through that process really, really well. They've gone back to first principles and gone down to what do we actually need to run a, a process from what does a customer need? 
How do we design a product? How do we manufacture it? Yeah, they've got all sorts of challenges, but that's first principles thinking. It's not just how do we throw some technology at it? And we still fall into the trap in business of assuming that the first principles thinking is a bit, you know, that's a bit yesterday, that can't we just throw some technology? And it's just not true. The first principles thinking is the essence and the best businesses in the world. I mean, if you look at the, the design thinking of Steve Jobs at Apple, it was all about going back to first principles. How do you design something that's really good to use? And, you know, there's lots of, you know, lots of things are developing, but that it comes down to the same old stuff. Dan, I know I've heard you talk about and, and, and seen you written about, you know, the impacts of having dirty data and how it's so important to make sure your data is clean when you actually put it into your your systems and in your database. So what's the impact of having dirty or bad data? Like when you go to make a business decision, how impactful is that to, to be aware of even putting in good data to begin with? That's a great question. Um, I mean, at a very simple level, if you haven't got the right details for your customers, then your revenue and your cash flow is massively impacted because you can't get your invoices paid, right? That's, there's a classic simple example. If I don't know where, you know, the, the detailed, you know, the, the, the place and to whom and which, you know, account code and all the rest, it has to be credited to for a customer. They may never see the invoice. They may never pay it. Or it might take in more reality, it might take six months for them to pay it. That affects, cash flow and everything and, and generates a load of extra work. So that's at a simple transactional level. I just, I think yeah, that the data issue in business starts at the very, at everybody's operational level. If the data is not right, it creates loads of extra work. At the basic level, it's inefficient. It means I have to keep redoing work and say, this doesn't make sense. But I mean, how many times have you got some data internally and you try and put it in a spreadsheet and you go, that doesn't make sense. And then you realize, oh, that, that somebody's called that the wrong thing. And you have to do your own data cleansing on your own spreadsheet. And I've been in lots of meetings, you know, business meetings with people, you know, colleagues around the world. And everyone's trying to talk about the same information, but they've slightly massaged it because it wasn't quite right in the source systems they got it from. They've all massaged it slightly differently. So they're telling a different story about the same thing. I mean, such a waste of time. A specific example, which I had experience of in, in my prior company, but it happens all the time, is we had a, an edict from top management about we need to analyze our spend across the organization. Where's all the money going? So they did this analysis. They came out and said, um, oh, this is ridiculous. Our second biggest spend uh, in the company is consulting fees. So this, we've got to stop buying consulting. And, and everyone, and then we got the data back and looked at, that's not true, that's, that can't be right. And what it turned out was, is that all of the IT operations costs were classified as consulting because somebody had decided to call it, well, what is, you know, that's IBM or that's DXC or whatever. Oh, let's call that consulting. So decisions were being made based on a misunderstanding, based on the fact that somebody hadn't really categorized things properly. And it happens a lot with customers and suppliers. What kind of spend is it? What kind of revenue is it? And if, and if the people capturing that information don't understand why it's important, quite often they'll just, you know, make the best guess they can. But it, was a, it caused a great deal of, um, it, you know, a lot of leadership refocused attention on trying to solve a problem that didn't exist. And it was all because the data wasn't right. 
And when we actually, we spent a whole load of time cleansing the data and realized actually that, you know, when you actually broke it out, it was a completely different picture. And we were looking at a false picture of the world. So all of that time, all that effort was just a false picture of the world. It wasn't even real. That's a great example. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Dan. Thank you. It's been great. Once again, I'm Mercy Harper. And I'm Megan McCulloch. Thanks for listening to this APQC podcast. To learn more about our research, please visit apqc.org. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Mm -hmm.